0: You're listening to the Faith Roots audio podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Welcome to this series of The Four Faces of Love. This is episode 16. And uh, we're going to go back to our text, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17, 18, 19. And I love to do that because it's important to drill down on key texts that support these teachings that we do. And when you remember the key text, then the um, understanding of the idea presented in Scripture here will be a lot clearer. So let's look at it, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints words of breadth, length, depth, and height. God is not just throwing these dimensions out as descriptions of just this amazing amalgamous love that's just so great. What He is talking to us about is about the structure of His love. His love has very real dimension and that's what he's talking about. And you can learn something from each face of this love by looking at the different dimensions that are given. They describe something that, that make a difference. In other words, uh, breadth and length of the love of God is horizontal. Breadth and length, that's horizontal. And then depth and height are vertical. That's a picture of the cross, really. And it has to do with our relationship with God. Uh, So here we go. Depth has a very real correspondence to one of the faces of love, and it is the face of correction. And the Bible says we can't know or experience the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. What, What this means is... The love of Christ is not something that you will see with your natural eyes and understand with natural teaching and natural experience as a human being. The love of Christ is something that you can only know by revelation of the scriptures. That's where a lot of people foul up. They think they can have the love of God purely on the basis of emotion, and that's not so. Love flows because of revelation, and he's praying that we would know and understand the love of Christ. Those are revelation words. Uh, It's not talking about some kind of an emotional thing that equips us to have feeling for other people. You cannot love fully without a revelation from God. And that's what this is all about. Now correction is the force of love and the face of love that corresponds to the dimension of depth. And um, let me explain how this works. Years ago, when I was in a meeting with architects, for the first time ever, I fully understood why depth had to do with the dimension of correction. Here's why. The architect talked about this building we were building. In fact, it was our 180 youth building, and this is back in the late 90s. And we were having a meeting, and he said, we've got to correct the soil. Now, I had been around a number of architects before, but I'd never heard anybody talk about it like this. He used the word depth. We've got to correct the soil. And he said, we'll have to dig down, I think about eight feet And they did studies, and they confirmed that the building has weight. And so the the soil beneath it has to be able to hold the weight. And, uh, you know, for instance, when you saw the World Trade Towers uh, come down and they rebuilt them, the first thing they had to do before they could go up was to go down. And they went down into the bedrock to build enough support to go up. And uh, you know, the average house doesn't have to have near that much correction, but a big heavy building, especially one that's 90,000 square feet like our youth building is, uh, we had to have a tremendous amount of clay removed and we had to replace it with gravel and we couldn't just dump the gravel in the hole. We had to put the gravel in, in levels. We put it in and spread it out and packed it with a steamroller. And we did that in two foot layers till we came up with an eight foot pack that was rock solid, and the engineers were able to calculate that that pad was able to hold steady all of the steel, the concrete, the weight, the people, everything that would go in that building could be supported by that. That is called correction, so we had to correct the foundation. Now, correction, when it comes to a human relationship, is not the rejection of a person. But that's exactly how a lot of people feel about correction. Uh, Correction is really the rejection of a thing that destroys a person. So when we correct our motive, if we're following God, is we are wanting to get rid of something that is attacking a person. It would be like a doctor going after cancer. Uh, We know right away that when a doctor is attacking cancer with a treatment, he's not attacking the person. He's attacking what is trying to kill the person. Well, if you think about it like that, correction is doing the same thing spiritually. Uh, Any person who was never corrected properly as a child, who was attacked personally when they were corrected, when the father would yell at them, scream at them and attack their person. Uh, These people as adults have a tremendous time, difficult time uh, taking and accepting correction because they view correction in a different way than most of us. They view correction as an attack against their person. I had employees that were like that over the years. I would go to talk to them about a mistake that they made or something that they continued to do over and over again, and you could see their blood pressure just blowing up, and they were nervous and defensive, and they took it as a personal attack, and it wasn't a personal attack. I, I remember saying to one guy, I said, you know, I, I, I can't, you, you don't ever make mistakes. I can't correct you. I can't even bring anything up without it totally shaking you to your core. You got to quit that. You have to, I correct myself. Correction is something we all have to have. And so uh, this is something that a lot of people don't understand. It corresponds to depth like a telephone pole. You can't take a telephone pole and just put it on top of the ground and expect it to stand up. The telephone pole has to go down before it can go up. And so that's the idea behind correction. Uh, God warns earthly fathers about the importance of correcting their children properly. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. In other words, when your correction session is over, your kids are not full of venom. Uh, I remember when we corrected our children when they were small Uh, I I would be angry a lot of the time, and and that was my first reaction. I had to learn not to correct them in anger, and uh, and this is why uh, I had to learn to do it. Because James one twenty says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's what I want to produce in my kids, the righteousness of God. Proverbs 22.8, pay attention to this one if you have a temper issue. Uh, it says the rod of your anger will fail. So even though you are right... And issuing a correction, if you do it totally out of anger, it will fail. It won't have the desired result. And your kid walks away thinking, okay, I ticked off my dad and that's why I got the spanking. And and he divorces the correction from what he did. And he chalks it up to an attitude in his parent. And that's why the rod of your anger will fail. That's why correction has to be done without anger. And it's something that we have to learn to do. Uh, the wrath of man doesn't produce righteousness. So when the Scripture says you correct your children and you don't provoke them to wrath, that means you end your discipline sessions with restoration. So I would correct my children. I would tell them I'm going to give you three swats to bend over. I'm not angry. I'm not losing my cool. I'm not swinging my paddle in every which direction. Now, when I was a kid and got spankings, I got spankings with a big old cowboy belt, and my dad didn't care where it landed. He was swinging and striking every which direction, and there was no uh, warning. Usually, I got jerked up by the collar, and just uh, he started swinging. And so that kind of correction really hurt our relationship. I was deathly afraid of my dad. I didn't want to talk to my dad. Didn't really, I was glad when he was gone, my dad went out and played dominoes a lot in the pool hall. And I didn't care. I didn't want him at home. Because the more he was home, the more likely it was that I was going to get a beaten. And so when he was gone, hey, that's fine with me. And that's unfortunate because correction should, because it is a face of love, it should bring people together instead of driving them apart. And that's why you want to correct the right way. When I would get done with my kids, I would hug them. We would pray. We would go back in maybe to finish our meal at supper if there was something that happened that interrupted our dinner and I had to deal with it. It ended on a good note, and that's what Paul is talking to in Ephesians chapter 6. Jesus received correction. Now, after he received uh, this admonition from his mother, Uh, because he was in the temple talking with the doctors of the law, and she said, where were you? Your father and I sought you sorrowing." And he said, how is it that you sought me? Did you not know I would be about my father's business? Now, the scripture says he went back to uh, Nazareth and was subject to them, Mary and Joseph, Luke 2.51. He submitted to the correction of human beings. He's son of God, yet he submitted to the correction of of his earthly parents. All right, so as we look into the book of Revelation at these four living creatures that represent the four faces of love, let's take a look. Uh, And in the midst of the throne, Revelation 4, 6, and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. Second living creature like a calf. Third living creature had the face like a man. The face of the man signifies correction, because all men need correction. If you're a human being, you need correction. It's a part of your upbringing. Really, it's a part of your life. Now, here's where it needs to take you. It needs to take you to self-correction, and we'll get into that later in our teaching. But the face of the man represents the face of correction. And so this is what we see. Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect man. Let me read to you uh, Luke's gospel, and this is chapter 3, verse 23. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, and uh, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat. In other words, we've got the genealogy of Mary and we've got Jesus being talked about here all the way down to Adam, who was the Son of God. So Jesus was a son, and we see his natural lineage here all the way from Adam up to Joseph. And so apparently the Jewish people were amazing at keeping gene- genealogical records, They're very important for them. And so what I want you to see is is that Jesus came to be a model for us. And as such, he was subject to correction as we are to be subject to correction. So one of the faces of love that you can't throw out is the face of correction. Love corrects. Well, that's all the time I have for this section, but we'll be back tomorrow with another one. I hope you'll join me then. Thanks.